Father, there are so many of us that are like these characters that we're going to be looking at in the Bible today in Genesis 27, Lord, and uh, characters who really don't trust you as we should. And, and Lord, because of that, we weave these tangled webs of deception, Lord. Instead of trusting you, we take matters into our own hands and we only make a mess of things. Lord, I ask you to show us today just how blessed we are uh, by this covenant that you've made with those who come to Jesus Christ. And Lord, how we can learn to trust you. And when we learn to trust you, Lord, we, we, we can learn to, to have the kind of life that you intend for us to have, a life of peace and a life of joy. Even in a troubled world, Lord, we can have that uh, if we really uh, begin to, to rely on you. We're going to see some characters who didn't rely on you and, and made a very big mess of their lives. And, Lord, we don't want to be doing that. So we just ask today that you teach us this great lesson that you have for us here, several lessons, Lord, uh, in your word. Uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word, Jesus Christ, and all he means to us and what he's done for us. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen. You know, I came to church today, and I started asking people how they were doing, and, and uh, man, it, it really was bad. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't, nobody said they were dying or anything, but I heard things like, I'm, I think I heard I'm okay from most people. Okay, I'm okay. Uh, I could be better, somebody said. Uh, I'm all right. Uh, not so good, somebody else said. Monica, I think, was the only one that said, good, I'm doing good. Listen, none of you are doing okay if you're a child of God. None of you could be doing any better. I mean, life might be treating you a little better, but you couldn't be in a better position than you're in as a child of God. If things aren't all right for you. Things are wonderful for you. Uh, things are not so good for you. Things are very good for you. And, and when we come into this house to worship God, that if we, if we come with the attitude that everything's okay or, or, or you know, life's not treating me so good, we're missing out on, on what God has for us. I mean, we're blessed people. If you're a child of God, you are a blessed people. You have inherited the covenant that was given to Abraham. And we're going to see just how blessed you are today as we, as we look at this uh, text. But before we get there, uh, to that blessing, we've got to dig through this mess that uh, Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau are about to make, and, and, and they weren't doing so good, and they were okay, and everything was fine, and, this, and we're going to see why it was like that for them. Walter Scott was the one who penned that uh, phrase, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. And how true that is. And in today's lesson, all the main characters in this story, uh, Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau, are going to be weaving this tangled web of deception. And uh, in doing so, uh, they're, they're going to uh, contribute to a deep fracture in their family. Uh, they're seeking this birthright, and they're seeking it at all costs, and they're seeking it the wrong way and they're going to cause themselves a lot of problems. Now, what is the birthright? What's the birthright that they're, they're after here in chapter 27? Well, the birthright was first given to Abraham over in chapter 12, if you remember. 
Remember, God came to Abraham when he was in the land of Chaldea, and he told him that, that uh, uh, I want you to leave Chaldea, I want you to leave your family, and, and when you do that, I will make your descendants into a great nation, and I will make your name great, and through your seed, all the nations would be blessed. Now, that was a messianic promise, wasn't it? Through his seed would come the Messiah, the Messiah who would save the world of their sins. And so, so Abraham's given this great promise, and before he dies, he passes that birthright down to Isaac. And now Isaac thinks he's about to die, and so he's going to pass it down to one of his sons. And uh, which son does he want to pass it down to? Well, we know the story. We've kind of introduced it already. He wants to pass it down to his oldest son, Esau. I mean, oldest by just a few minutes. Uh, and he wants to pass it down to him. And so what he's going to do, he's going to act real quickly. Now he thinks he's dying. He's going to act real quickly, and he's going to weave this web of deception in order to get the birthright uh, to, to Esau, regardless of what God wants. So let's pick up in chapter 27, and let's look at the first few verses here in, in chapter 27. We're going to go back. We, we looked at this last week, but we didn't dig into the text. We just sort of introduced it. So, so we're going to dig in it to, into it a little bit today. Look at verse number 27. Now, it came to pass when Isaac was old. How old was he? He was about 135 years old. Now, that's pretty old. But he's going to live another 45 years. But he thinks at this point he's about to die. More than likely, he had some kind of illness, some kind of terrible illness, and, and it had him down, and he was a blind old man, and, and, and he thought he was going to die. And, and so it came to pass when he, was, when he was old and his eyes were so dim that he couldn't see that he called Esau, his oldest son, and he said to him, my son. Now, he had more than one son, didn't he? But he calls Esau my son because Esau is his favorite son. Now, but, but Rebecca's going to do the same thing. You look down at verse number, uh, jump, jump ahead down to verse number five, and, and uh, she speaks of Esau as his son, and she speaks of uh, Jacob as her son, if you look down in, in verse number six, and she speaks of Esau as your brother. So if you, when you look at these pronouns and the way they describe each other, uh, they definitely uh, have favorites in, in this situation. So anyway, she's, she, she says to him, my, Isaac says to Esau, my son. And he answered, and, and he said to him, here I am. Now Esau is 75 years old at this point. Jake, both Jacob and Esau are 75 years old. And Isaac, I think they all think Isaac is about to die. And so they're old men too, and so they're anxious to get their hands on that birthright. And Esau is especially anxious to get it uh, on uh, on uh, his hands on the birthright, and he suspects that Isaac is about to pass it down, and so, so he's excited. Then Isaac said to him, Behold, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now, Isaac was a pitiful man at this point. I mean, he was a, he was a blind man. He could hear, but he was blind, and he was ill, and he was bedridden, and things looked pretty bad for him, but that's not the worst thing about him that made him a pitiful sight. He was a carnal man. I mean, all he could think about were worldly things. He saw the birthright as a uh, way to get worldly possessions or to give worldly possessions to his son Esau. He had not looked at the, he had not pondered the spiritual aspects 
of the spiritual blessings of that birthright. All he could think about was, was giving the material blessings to his favorite son Esau, and all really he could think about when he was about to die was his last meal. He wanted a really good last meal. Look at verse number 3. In verse number 3 it says, uh, Now therefore please, please take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, and go out in the field and hunt game for me. I really love venison. I mean, I love the taste of venison. Hey, I love the taste of venison. That's some good, really good meat. And you can recognize venison when you eat venison normally, uh, depending on how it's cooked, and it's, it's, it's very good meat. And he said, make me some of that savory stew, some of that savory food, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat. But there's something else going on here. He says, and that I may bless you before I die. So here he is, this carnal man who's about to give his, the birthright to his carnal son. Uh, we know Esau is carnal because Esau had already sold the birthright to Jacob for a bowl of lentil stew. So, so he was a very carnal man. And not only that, if you look at the last verse of chapter 26, uh, when Esau was 40 years old, but 35 years before that, he married Canaanite wives. And what, by doing that, he, by taking on those Canaanite wives, he really disqualified himself for the birthright because the Canaanite wives would have just made him part of the Canaanite culture, and God wanted that, uh, that blessing to go to a separate people, to a new nation the nation of Israel. And so Esau had no business getting the birthright, and, and, but, but it, Isaac is bound and ter- determined to give it to him, even though he's disqualified for that blessing, even though he knew that God had prophesied that Jacob would get that blessing, he was determined uh, to give, give it to uh, his oldest son. Now the question I want to ask at this point was, was Isaac even saved? Was he even saved? What's the answer to that question? Yes, we know he was saved. If you said no, you were wrong. He, we know he was saved because you remember Jesus spoke about Isaac when he was speaking about the wedding supper of the Lamb. Uh, remember what he said? Uh, he said, uh, many will come from the east and the west and sit down with me. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, you will sit with them too in the kingdom of God. Many will come down and sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. So, yes, he was saved. Actually, I think he's one of those trophies of God's amazing grace, sort of like Lot. I mean, when you read the story of Lot, you wonder how in the world he could be saved, but he's another trophy of God's amazing grace. Hey, you looking up here? You're looking at a trophy of God's amazing grace. I'm looking out there, and I'm seeing a lot of trophies of God's amazing grace because none of us deserve to be saved, do we? It's all by the grace of God that we're saved. And so anyway, in, in verse number 5, it says, and, we, and, the, and we, the story turns now to Rebekah. And here's Rebekah, and what's Rebekah doing? In verse number 5, now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau. Esau. Now that's being kind. She was spying on her husband. She was eavesdropping on, on uh, Isaac. She knew that he was about to die. She sees him call Esau uh, into his into his into his bedroom, and he she realizes that something's up. And so it says, now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son, and then Esau left and went to the field to hunt game to bring it back 
to Isaac. So Rebekah's about to weave her web of deception. Esau is out weaving his web of deception. Now, how is Esau weaving his web of deception? The only thing he says here is, is uh, I'm here. Here I am. That's the only thing he says. But by his silence, he's weaving a web of deception because he had already sold that birthright to Jacob, and he knew about that prophecy too, no doubt about it. So they're all involved in this web of deception, and, and uh, here comes Rebecca, and she's about to do her thing. And so Rebecca knows what's going on, so she spoke to her son uh, Jacob, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, uh, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. So she rehearses exactly what Isaac said, and she says to Jacob, Look, your father's about to give the blessing to Esau, and we've got to do something about it. So she tells him what she wants to do. She says, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go down to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of goats and I will make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. I'm going to make it as much like Esau makes it as I possibly can. Now, we're going to use goat meat instead of venison, but we're going to be able to hide that. We're going to put some garlic and some onions and lots of spices, and uh, uh, he's not going to know the difference. His taste buds are old, and he's old, and, and I, I think we can get this past him. And so, so, uh, so uh, you know, we, we're just going to fool him into believing he's eating venison when he's really not. Now, sometimes I go to these restaurants and, and they serve fried alligators that taste a lot like chicken to me. And I know chicken is a lot cheaper than alligator, and I'm wondering if I'm not getting chicken nuggets and not alligator. Same, same thing when I lived in Arizona and they served rattlesnake. And i got to tell you, rattlesnake, if that's rattlesnake, it clucks like a chicken because it certainly tastes just like chicken to me. But anyway, she's, she's got this plan, and she's going she's gonna, to uh, uh, make it as much as she possibly can like the stew that Esau made for, for, for Isaac, the stew that he loved. And then, he sa- then she says to him, she, she says in verse number 10, then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, he, he said, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm not. And I'm, I'm a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, feel my hands and feel my arms, and I shall be seen to be a deceiver, a heel catcher, which is what his name meant, to, to, to him. And I, and, I shall bring him and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. I'll go in there to get blessed, and I'm going to end up getting cursed if I try to do this because my father's going to find out and he's going to discover our plan, and uh, I'm going to be in trouble. So he hesitates here. He hesitates, uh, and he's not ready to obey, to obey his mother's instructions. And so this causes some people to say that, that uh, Jacob was a man of honor at this point, that he knew how, how wonderful the blessing was, and he didn't want to steal the blessing. He wanted it to, give, to be given to him in a proper way, in a rightful way, and... Uh, uh, that's, that's the reason he hesitates, but that's not the case here at all. Jacob is a deceiver. Jacob's problem is what he's worried about, I mean, he's, he's a mama's boy. Uh, he's 75 years old, and he's a mama's boy, but he's old enough he could have told his mama no at this point. 
But he doesn't tell his mama no. Because uh, he wants he wants that birthright, and he doesn't want to lose that birthright by his father finding out that they had deceived him. And so so uh, he hesitates, and uh, uh, he, 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 he's afraid he's going to lose the birthright. And again, Jacob only cared about the material part of the birthright, too. All he cared about was that double portion of the father's assets that went to the oldest son, and, and, or the, person who, the son who had the birthright, uh, and the power that you had over the family clan. That's what he was looking for. He knew nothing about the spiritual aspects of this birthright. He knew nothing about the Lord. He didn't know the Lord. Now, who's that on? That's on Isaac. He's got two sons that don't, 75-year-old sons that don't know the Lord. And so they become deceivers. Even his wife is deceiver. I don't know that she knew the Lord at this point. I mean, I, I mean that is on Isaac. And I got to tell you, parents, you, I mean, all of us, we're not okay. We're, we're, we've been blessed mightily by God. And if you're a parent, it is your job to pass that blessing on to your children. And the only way that you can pass that blessing on to your children is to make the Lord real in your life. I mean, if all you are concerned about in your life are, are, is, are, are, is, is sports or food or, or your job or, 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 or everything in the secular world, then, then, that's, then your kids, are, you might be saved by the skin of your teeth like Isaac and Lot. But what happened to Lot's kids? And what's happening here to Isaac's kids? I mean, if, if it wasn't for the grace of God, Jacob would have gone to hell. But God's going to spare Jacob. God's going to work in Jacob and, and because God has elected Jacob. But this, the, the, this situation that they're in right now is on Isaac. I mean, he's the one who's failed here as a father. So... So Jacob here, he hesitates, uh, uh, and the reason he hesitates, because he knows that at some point his father's going to find out. I mean, Esau's going to come running in and say, it wasn't me uh, that you blessed. It was Jacob that you blessed. He knows he's going to be found out. He might even be found out while, why, while uh, he's in the room with his father because he doesn't have hairy arms, and his father does hairy have, I mean, and Esau does have hairy arms, and so he figured his father Isaac would reach out and, and touch him, and he would realize that it wasn't uh, Esau, that it was Jacob. So look now at verse number 13. But his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and get the meat or the, the, the meat to make the stew for me. So what she's saying here, if your father catches us in this plan of deceit, which he's probably going to do at some point, she says, I'll take the blame, and I'll tell him that I made you do it. Hey, you gotta, I, we've already discussed what a bad father Isaac was, but you've got to wonder at this point about what kind of marriage Isaac and Rebecca had, that they were willing to so quickly deceive each other. I mean, here's Rebecca. She's spying on her husband. I mean, they're playing one son against the other. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind at this point that that great romance. Remember, we looked a few chapters ago when Eliezer went and found Rebecca and he brought her to Isaac. And there was one of the greatest romantic stories in the history of the world. And you'd and, and you, you think they would have lived on happily ever after. 
I mean, it had started so well, but now their romance has withered away to almost nothing. There's no doubt about that. Because you can bank on it. When trust goes out of a marriage, when integrity goes out of a marriage, so does the romance. That's the case every time. And when parents play favorites with children, it is always going to create a rift in the family. It's always going to do that. Uh, it's going to create a rift between the husband and the wife. It's going to create a rift between the, the parents and their children. And it's going to create a rift between the children them, themselves. And so that's something, you, you talk about bad parenting. That is on the top of the list of bad parenting. You do not want to be, show, be, be, show favorites to your, to your children. And I've seen families who've done this. Uh, I've seen where one of, or both of the parents love one child more than they love the other child. Maybe they even love their ch children more than they love their husband. And, 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 and they have a home full of strife. And then what happens one day, the children leave, and the husband and wife are left alone together, and, and uh, they're, you know, they're in a miserable state to death do them part, or they get a divorce. I mean, that's, the, that's their only solution. And, and, and so here's Rebecca, and she doesn't know it, but this web of deception that she's weaving is going to result in her losing her favorite son. He's going to be chased out of there. He's going to, he's going to go off to Haran, and she's never going to see him again the rest of her life. And I can't imagine after that what kind of miserable marriage Isaac and Rebekah must have had. Because here she's left with Esau, and it says in verse number, if you go back to the last chapter and you look at the last part, when Esau married those uh, Canaanite wives, it says in the very last verse of 26, it says, and they were... And, and they were a grief of mind on Isaac and Rebekah. So they caused them a lot of grief. So, so they were Rebekah wasn't on good terms with his daughter-in-laws. She wasn't on good terms with Esau. She wasn't on good terms with Isaac. So she lived a pretty miserable existence after that. And a lot of that she brought upon herself. So next, we're going to see Jacob now join his mom in this deception and and they're going to carry it on out and, and try to steal the birthright. Steal something that was his. Steal something that he didn't have to steal. I mean, it was his if they had just trusted the Lord. Look at verse number 14. And he went and he got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food. She, he, he brought the meat to his mother. And she made savory food such as Isaac loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house. And, he, and she put them on Jacob, her younger son. Now, I don't picture Esau as a guy who took a lot of bass. And so there was a certain uh, B.O. about him that was special. You know, it was like air freshener. I mean, uh, to his mom, uh, to his dad especially. And so, so she's going to get that odor and those clothes on the, on the Jacob. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on, on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. So when he went, reached over, but she had this figured out. So when, she, when he reached over to kiss his dad and he touched his neck, he'd feel all that hair on his neck. How she glued that to his neck. They didn't have super glue back then, but that, I'd really like to know how she attached that, all that stuff to him. And I'd like to see a picture of him. He, I mean, they had to be laughing about this as, as, as they go into the room. So she puts 
So she puts all this stuff on him, and then she gave him the savory fruit of the bread which she had prepared, and she put it in the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father, and he said, My father. And Jacob said to him, Here I am. But Jacob, I, I mean, Esau said to him, and it, it, Esau, I'm sorry, Isaac said to him, he said to him, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Now, Isaac is suspicious at this point, no doubt about it. Why is he suspicious? Because he hears the voice of Jacob and not the voice of Esau. And so, uh, but, but watch how Jacob lies. Who are you, my son? I mean, I, you, you know uh, Jacob's got to be sweating at this point. He's probably his voice is quivering a little bit. And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Man, what a bold Face lie. Don't tell me that, that Jacob was an honorable man who didn't want to d- deceive his dad. He was, he was, he was head first into this plan and, and doing all he could to deceive his dad. He said, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Uh, please arise, sit and eat. I made you this great stew. Uh, eat of my game. That you're so, He hadn't even had been hunting in his life. And he says, eat of my game. And it's not game, it's goat. So he's lying again that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And, and uh, I'm sure Jacob's really uh, thinking maybe he's caught at this point. And, and, uh, and watch what he says. he says. He says, you know, I went outside, and the Lord, the, your God, brought the game to me. I mean, just no sooner had I gone outside the the, out into the front yard, here came a deer. I shot the deer. I made the stew, and it's the Lord God who brought it to me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, he says, Please come near me that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. Now, look, at what, look how deceitful Jacob is. He even brings the Lord God into his plan, the name of the Lord God. That is a very serious matter right there. That is nothing short of blasphemy. When you swear to God, when you say, oh my God, when you say, the Lord made me do it, all those kind of things, they're nothing short of blasphemy. And and so that shows us clearly that Jacob didn't fear the Lord at this point. He had no relationship with the Lord. He didn't know the Lord any more than Esau knew the Lord. So then in verse number 22, so Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and, he, and, and Isaac felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but hey, the hands are the hands of Esau. Only Esau has hairy hands like this. Maybe, maybe Esau's got a cold. Maybe he's got a sore throat, and that's the reason the voices, the voices are different. And, and Isaac did not recognize Jacob because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. And so he gives him the blessing. He blessed him. So uh, Isaac makes the sure test of whether or not this is Esau or not. He checks for the hair, and the hair is there. And so only Esau had hairy hands like that. And so he's ready to give uh, Jacob the blessing, but there's one more test he's going to give him. He's going to make him swear. He says, then he said to him, are you really my son Esau? No doubt he said, swear to me. Are you really my son Esau? And watch again this bold-faced lie of Jacob. 
and Jacob says, here he, he, he Jacob says, I am. And so he said, now I'm going to give you the blessing. Jacob says, I mean, Isaac says, bring the meat, the stew near to me, and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. Now, what's, again, this is really sad that Isaac's more concerned about this meal than he is anything else. He's more concerned about giving this blessing to a son that, a carnal son who's carnal just like he is, than he, and really Jacob's carnal too at this point. So, uh, but he's not really honoring the will of the Lord. Uh, uh, he just wants to celebrate and pass this blessing on before he dies. So he brought it near to him, and uh, he ate, and Jacob brought him wine, and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, now he's going to give him the blessing, come near to me, my son, and kiss me. And he came near, and this is why uh, Rebekah put the, the fur on his, on his neck. Uh, he, then his father, then he, then his father Isaac said to him, come near to me now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing. And there's that B.O. that he recognized had to be Esau. And, and he blessed him and said, and now he's going to give him the blessing. Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field, which the Lord has blessed. So he says, you got to be Esau because you smell like a field, like you've been out hunting. You smell like a, a you, you know, you got to be a hunter. You got to be a man's man. You're, you're the son I want to bless. But now the Spirit of God is going to take over on this blessing. And, and, and what I, Isaac speaks are going to be the very words of God. And, and he's going to speak this blessing to him. And, and so uh, Isaac thinks he's blessing his carnal son Esau, but God is blessing Jacob, and he's blessing Jacob's descendants. This is the, uh, the Abrahamic covenant given in just a different way. Now listen to what he says. He says, therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven. For Esau, that would only have meant, you know, rain to, to water your crops, to multiply your crops. But for Jacob, that meant something more, didn't it? The dew of heaven is the spirit of God. Jacob, may at some point, Jacob, may you become Israel. May you receive the spirit of God. May you no longer be hill catcher and deceiver, but, but, but a child of God. And, 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 and God is blessing him with that. But he's going to have material blessings too. You're going to receive of the fatness of the earth and the plenty of the grain and wine. So there's a material blessing there. Then the second part of the blessing, which is very important here. Look at the second part. He said, let the nations or people serve you and the nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. So, so this part of the blessing uh, in the immediate sense meant that uh, Esau's and his descendants would bow down to Jacob and his descendants. But on, on, you take that out into the future, and that blessing meant that the Edomites would bow down to the Israelites. But you could take that even further out into the future, all the way out into the Messianic kingdom, and all the nations will bow down to Israel, to, to, to the king of Israel, the king of kings, and Lord of lords, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then you get the most important part of this blessing. I mean, the key to this blessing, uh, the, the, the part that, 
that is the, the, the part that was given to Abraham that's now being given to Jacob that will later be given to his sons, that will be given to Israel, that will be given uh, through Jesus Christ to you and I. The most important part of this blessing, listen to what he says. He says, cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. That is the exact same blessing that God gave to Abraham and he now gives it to Jacob through Isaac and, who, and Isaac is thinking he's giving it to Esau. But this blessing is going to Jacob. God is watching what's going on and he knows who this blessing is going to going to. And what's the blessing again? Cursed is everyone who blesses you, and blessed are all, I mean, cursed is everyone who curses you, I'm sorry, and blessed are all those who bless you. Matthew Henry nails the essence of this blessing uh, when he interprets it this way. He says, God will be your great friend, which means that he will be a friend to your friends and an enemy to your enemies. What a great blessing that was given to Jacob that day, that God will be a friend to your friends and an enemy to your enemies. And that blessing was Jacob regardless of what went on here. I mean, even if Isaac had tried to give it to Esau, it was still going to be Jacob's blessing. I mean, here is this dysfunctional family. I mean, it's really imploding right before our very eyes. And every member of the family is weaving their own web of deception. I mean, here is Isaac deceiving his wife by blessing Esau uh, uh, while he thinks she's not looking. And here is Esau hurrying to kill some game to make some stew so he can steal back the blessing that he had sold already to his brother Jacob. And here is Rebekah deceiving her own husband in order to get the birthright to Jacob, and Jacob has joined in her web of deception in order to get that birthright back that birthright that he had bought from, from Esau. And again, all he's concerned about at this point are the material parts of that blessing. He's not concerned about all these great spiritual blessings. He's concerned about getting the stuff about uh, Esau and his family bowing to him. That's what he's concerned about. He wants that blessing. And all along, Jacob is the rightful heir to this blessing. God had determined before the foundation of the world that Jacob would get that blessing, that he would inherit the birthright. And so it, in God's eyes, it had always been Jacob. Well, wait a minute, Pastor, wait a minute. Are you, are you saying that if Rebekah and Jacob hadn't taken matters into their own hands, that, God, that Jacob still would have gotten that blessing? That's exactly what I'm saying. It, because who's in control of every, every part of this thing? Uh, story that's taking place. God's in control of it. And God's allowing these people to do what they want to do. But in the end, Jacob's going to be the one who gets, gets the blessing. Did God want them to go and deceive Isaac? No, he didn't want them to do that. But if he, they're going to do that, he's going to use that to give the blessing to Jacob. But if that hadn't worked, he would have given that blessing to Jacob some other way. 
I mean, God intended the words of that blessing we just read for Jacob and Jacob only. And those words were spoken by the Spirit, and Isaac could not have spoken those words if God's Spirit was not upon him. And if he was trying to give that blessing to Esau, God wouldn't have let him give that blessing to Esau. He could only speak the words that God gave him. And if, I, if, if Isaac had tried to give it to Esau, God would have changed his words. He wouldn't have been able to pass that blessing down to Esau. That's exactly what God did. You remember the story of, uh, of uh, Balaam and Balak. Balak was the king of the Moabites, and he, wanted the Mo, he, wanted ba he hired Balaam to curse Israel. And, and, and he said, sure, I'll take all the goodies and I'll curse Israel. And he went up there to curse Israel. And God, the Spirit of God came upon him and all he could do was bless Israel. And that's exactly what would have happened here if, if it was Esau in the room and Isaac had tried to give that blessing to Esau. God would have taken control of his tongue and he would have cursed Esau and he would have blessed Jacob. See, God had made Jacob the heir uh, of this blessing and it wasn't going to go to anybody but uh, Jacob. And not only does Jacob get that blessing, Jacob's 12 sons receive that blessing. And not only do Jacob's 12 sons receive that blessing, you and I receive that blessing. Because that blessing is a messianic promise. That's what's embedded in those words. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Over in Numbers chapter 24, we get this great messianic prophecy, and listen to what it says. It says, out of Jacob shall come one, or he, that shall have dominion. He shall be the morning star, and he shall hold the scepter. That's in Numbers 24. So what that means is those who bless his name, the name of Jesus will be blessed, and those who curse his name will be cursed. How are we blessed by the name of Jesus? Because those who call upon the name of Jesus by faith are given the power to become sons and daughters of God. And, 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 and because we're sons and daughters of God, cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses, blesses you. Now, it's going to take Jacob a long time to realize the benefits of this great spiritual blessing that he was given. In fact, he was thinking, you know, the, Isaac was going to say, you're my oldest son, I'm giving you all my, my assets, uh, and you get, the, you get the double portion of the assets, and you get power over the clan. And that's all he wanted to hear. And he hears things like, cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you, and, and the people shall serve you, and nations shall bow down to you. And I don't think he really gave a flip about any of that. It's going to take him 20 years of hard labor under old Uncle Laban to come to the point where he's ready to receive that blessing. Actually, what's going to happen, Esau's going to run him out of town. We're going to see that next week. And, and, and after 20 years, Jacob's going to come back home. And he's going to hear that Esau has gathered an army and he's coming to kill him. And, and, and finally, finally, after all his wheeling and dealing and scheming, he doesn't have a scheme. He tries a scheme, but he realizes it's not going to work. Actually, he, 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 think, he splits his, 
his, his, his, his, his assets up, his, his livestock up into two herds, and, and one goes one direction and the other goes uh, the other direction. And he goes one direction, and that's the direction Esau's coming. And he's actually weakened his, his position instead of strengthening his position. And his plan isn't working, and he's about to die. And what is he going to do? He's going to finally give up his scheming and wheeling and dealing and deceiving, and he's going to call on the Lord, and he's going to wrestle with the Lord. And he wrestled with the Lord all night at Peniel. He sees the very face of God, and he, and he, 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 he prevails with God. But he prevails because he comes to a place where he truly trusts God. He realizes that only God can save him from the situation that he's in. And he finally comes to a place where he trusts God and he understands that cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. God's going to take care of me. There's no enemy that can overpower me. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. And he's actually going to come to that place and he's going to be truly blessed. And what happens at that point? He's now a friend of God. Instead of struggling with God and wrestling with God like he had all these 20, really his whole life, a uh, hundred years, he had wrestled with God. Instead of doing that now, he's a friend of God. And he becomes Israel, prince with God. Instead of Jacob, hill catcher and wheeler dealer. You see the great lesson there for us here today? You see it? You're not okay. You're not in a bad position. Things aren't just moving along. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. That blessing, and that, especially that third blessing there, you have inherited that blessing as a child of God, as a friend of God. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. You've inherited that because by faith you are a descendant of Abraham, and you're a descendant of Jacob, and you're a descendant of Israel. And God is our friend, and a friend of our, and a, he's a friend of our friends, and he's an enemy of our enemies. So, so what's that mean on a practical plane? That means we're to give up our wheeling and dealing. We're to give up trying to fix things ourselves. We're to give up on ourselves. And we're to trust God for everything that we do. You know, so many of us, you know, if you just think about what's going on in your life and, and how we, we weave these weaves of webs of deception because we don't really trust God. We take matters in our own hands and then we've got to lie still and cheat and do everything we can to get out of the mess. I pray a lot. But if the prayers aren't answered right away, we go back to being Jacob's again. We need to quit being Jacob's. We need to, 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 to trust the Lord. Set it in stone, Lord. I'm going to trust you for every issue of my life. I'm going to trust you to direct me and guide me in every situation in life. I'm going to trust you to empower me in every situation in life. And no matter who comes against me, Lord, if they're my enemy, they're your enemy. And I'm in really good shape. Because you're bigger than all the people on this earth. You're bigger than all the armies on this earth, all the kings on this earth. 
You're bigger than the Democrats. You're bigger than the Republicans. You're bigger than Nancy Pelosi. You're bigger than Donald Trump. I don't care what goes on in this country, what goes on in your, your job, what goes on in your own personal life. If God is your friend, he is an enemy of your enemies. And when we learn to trust God like that, we put ourselves in a position to really be blessed. To really be blessed. I said this a couple of weeks ago. If you're not blessed, if, if, if everything's just all right, if it's okay, if it's not so good, if it could be better, I got news for you today. You, you can come out of that state real quick. See, we should come into this church, and you shouldn't be able to hear this worship team up here. You should be so excited about what God is doing in your life that you're singing praises to the Lord. They sh they, we shouldn't even be able to hear them. And we come in here, and we're okay, and it could be better. And, 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 and I'm not getting on people to say that. Probably if somebody asked me, I, I would have said it's okay. But that's, not the, that's, not, that's the wrong attitude. Our attitude should be, gosh, we're so blessed. Lord, we're so blessed by you. We, our enemies are your enemies. Our friends are your friends. I mean, all the nations bow down to you, and one day, Lord, Lord we're going to be there bowing down to you, and, but we're going to rule and reign with you. We're going to rule over angels. Lord, we have victory in every aspect of life if we'll just trust you. And, and that puts us in a position. You're never going to bless others when you're just okay or you're feeling all right or, you know, just kind of meandering through life. You're going to be a blessing to others when you truly receive the blessing that God's given you through the Abrahamic covenant, through the covenant of faith. When you understand the value of your faith, uh, then your life has eternal purpose. It has eternal meaning. And you're blessed. And you're going to be blessed. And you're going to bless others. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the great truth here, the great blessing that you've given us through Abraham but, Lord, ultimately through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord, because Abraham couldn't have his blessing. Jacob couldn't have his blessing. Israel couldn't have its blessing. And the church couldn't have its blessing if it wasn't for the cross. If it wasn't for what Jesus Christ did for us when his body was broken and his blood was shed on that brutal cross, Lord. We just thank you for sending your only begotten Son, Lord, that, that we can come to him and trust him. Lord, and that we can have victory in every aspect of life, that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, Lord. We just thank you for that, because he's won the victory for us, and our friends are his friends, and our enemies are his enemies. And Lord, we can trust you to, to get us through each and every day, not just okay, Lord, but as blessed people of God, as joyful, peaceful, blessed people of God. Help us to live life like that, Lord, so that we can bless others and be a blessing to you. We ask all of that in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen.